Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. Welcome back to another episode of Dubai Works Business Podcast. This week, I'm joined by Dayan Dimitriov, the founder of Laundry Heap. So they are a service that collects, cleans, and delivers, you guessed it, fresh laundry and dry cleaning in just 24 hours. Dayan actually set up Laundry Heap in 2014 with a vision of filling the technological and innovation gaps in the dry cleaning industry. Since then, he successfully scaled Laundry Heap to operate across Europe, the US, Middle East, and Asia. The service is now used by thousands of people globally and the company is ranked as the 18th fastest growing tech company in the UK by Deloitte. So today we're going to talk all things, uh, the story of Laundry Heap and then the development of the dry cleaning industry and also the future and, and why the Middle East and why Dubai. So good morning, Dayan. Oh, good morning, Richard. How are you? It's afternoon here in Dubai, but I think it's morning in, in <laughs> bright, bright uh, London, summer day in London. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's eight o'clock here, and it was uh, quite a busy night actually in London because of the the game last night. Okay, yeah, it was it was quite noisy. Are you in central London? You heard all the fans supporting England, of course, beat Denmark. Yeah, I'm just very close to Trafalgar Square, so it was it was a crazy night around here. Uh, people were out until until early morning. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been in London throughout this sort of Euros, and you've sampled the atmosphere? It must be a nice sort of reemergence um, after the kind of lockdown year. Yeah, it's very different actually because I um, I mean I used to live here in London, and uh, currently I spend most of my time in Switzerland. Um, but then I come to London for uh, kind of a month on and a month off and it has been quite interesting to see how um, the city has changed through the pandemic uh, from a complete lockdown um, and then uh, like opening up um, and more and, and now uh, in two weeks it's supposed to be completely open finally so it's it's very interesting to see how, how people um, change and how the city changed itself uh, here in central London still a lot of um, shops are, are closed they haven't opened yet so it's uh, it's, uh, it's very exciting. Everyone is looking forward to two weeks' time. Well, hopefully it, it continues. And, you know, we're, we're obviously experiencing a, the Delta strain here and in Asia, and it's just continued disruption. But obviously Dubai has been uh, open. And uh, how has Switzerland been? Have you, you know, you've obviously been able to kind of crack on and it's probably been good for your business. Yeah, like uh, Switzerland has been um, quite stable from the beginning. Um, I mean, they have uh, quite a good health system, and in general, Switzerland is um, doesn't have such a high like uh, population, and uh, the transport is um, is very different. So um, I think it's much uh, much easier to cope with uh, with, um, uh, with with like like problem like uh, like COVID. Um, and yes, for us, for uh, as a business, it has been complete roller coaster, uh, as I think for many many other businesses as well. Um, you know, we had this uh, up and downs and uh, kind of worries as any other business, um, especially when um, like COVID hit. We had a lot of plans. Um, we were talking to investors. Uh, we were about to launch some cities, and we had to very quickly. Um, 
kind of reflect to what's happening. Um, and also like a lot of people didn't, like nobody knew what's happening and um, whether it's going to last two weeks or, uh, you know, two months or two years. Um, so it, it, it was um, it was quite emotional um, and it was quite challenging, but uh, like at the end we managed to navigate well, which which I'm really happy with. Brilliant, yeah, and, and we'll come up to the story. So the reason we're speaking, obviously, is that you've expanded and you've launched recently in a few cities across uh, countries across the Middle East, including Dubai. But tell us the backstory. So 2014. What were you, Dayan, doing at that time, and how did you end up becoming an entrepreneur and the founder of Laundry Heap? Well, so my my experience in um, like founding companies is with Rocket Internet. Um, I did a couple of uh, like ventures with them. Uh, the first one was in the travel industry. It was supposed to be the um, kind of the the biggest competitor of like Airbnb uh, in Europe. Uh, we raised. Uh, 90 million dollars at that time so it was kind of like a huge a huge story um, and then after that I moved to uh, fashion e-commerce um, so from London moved to Amsterdam moved to Berlin to Istanbul so we were doing fashion in Turkey um, so it, it was quite an interesting experience and after that I decided to come back to London and some um, I had already built a um, like network of friends, uh, from, like from Rocket as well and colleagues. Um, so we were looking to do um, a consumer service, and we, you know, like, like my my kind of background is not that you know, like my parents don't have a dry cleaning shop, and I've been in this business for so many years. Um, it's very different. I, I um, by traveling, I realized that there is this need for laundry and dry cleaning. It was always an issue. Um, and realize there is a gap on the market really and looking at different consumer models um, i realize it has very um, good unit economics it's very sticky as a model high average order value um, and ultimately it's a service um, where we um, you know believe myself and my co-founders we we saw an opportunity to add value to the user uh, by using technology um, so this was the, this was the reason um, why we wanted to test this and to see how users will react to our service. Interesting. Um, yeah, it'd be great to talk a little bit more about that and how it was developed. But um, we don't often hear of uh, failure stories, or we don't shed light on them. But that, that's a big number you mentioned in terms of an Airbnb uh, competitor and something to raise. Um, how did that go? And, and I guess like what happens a company that raises that amount of money and doesn't sort of make it well it's a i mean it's a uh, like a big roller coaster uh, i think um you know like uh, like rocket internet is famous with a lot of uh, like um great companies they've built yeah. and uh, and some of these companies well, so they're here as well in dubai yeah they've, they've got a good setup actually a lot of my so like when we when i was working in turkey in 2011 it was uh we were just uh, also creating some of these ventures in, in in dubai so there were a few of uh kind of the fashion um the, the fashion venture i think it changed name a few times uh the uh kind of the the amazon uh, kind of copycat the ebay um so so we were doing quite 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 a few a few of these they started i think around that time and also like a lot of entrepreneurs, I'm sure you, you, you're more familiar than, uh, than me, but they, they came from this, from the Turkey office. Um, so, so what happened in 2011, the Turkey office uh, closed for Rocket Internet completely. So they decided to exit Turkey. Um, 
but then a lot of these entrepreneurs, they actually came to Dubai and they had some very good friends of mine and they created this uh, big, big brands now uh, in, the, in the region. Yeah, interesting. Which are some of those that we might know? Do you know? Um, it's, it's, it's quite, it's quite a few, few of them. Uh, you know, I, I used to work in the same office with the guys from just mop, for example, uh, they went yeah. to the cleaning space. Kareem. Um, yeah. So that, that's, I was going to mention of, mop because that's obviously similar to what you guys do. A lot of the, yeah, a lot of, uh, the, some guys went to Kareem, um, like, uh, Namshi, yeah. um, like basically a lot, a lot of this, uh, noon, um, a lot of, uh, if you, if you, if you look at who started kind of all of these, uh, companies, uh, it's very closely related to rocket internet. So I think it was this power team that <laughs> went into, into a lot of consumer, uh, services and e-commerce. Definitely rocket internet, of course, from Germany, the summer brothers and you know, I have a lot of history of that. Is that how you kind of, were you a natural entrepreneur or is that sort of something that you learned? And uh, what, what were the skills that you kind of had that you think have made uh, Laundry Heap sort of successful at the moment? Well, my, my, my background is uh, in business and finance. So um, I had two options really. I could go into banking and or consultancy or become an entrepreneur. Um, so, uh, this was always very interesting for me and I was lucky enough to join, um, like, as I mentioned, the first project within the rocket, um, uh, that I was involved with and it was very large project. So very quickly we had to, to, uh, hire a lot of people, had to do a lot of sales, had to, uh, understand, uh, like the product market fit. So y you have to, I guess what many entrepreneurs go through many years uh, in the rockets, you have to do it over a few weeks, um, just because there is so much pressure. Um, we, we were working literally day and night, uh, in the Turkish office. And sometimes you'd, you'd come next day and you're going to see the same, same people in the same quotes. Um, it was not, uh, untypical. So it, it was a very high pressure environment, but at the same time, you're young, you want to do as much as you, you can, uh, you want to learn a lot. Um, so it's a great, it's a great environment. So, uh, a lot of people, so you, you either love it or hate it. Um, and uh who who whoever uh, kind of finds the benefits can uh, can learn learn quite a lot and kind of embrace it and then and then uh you can use these skills um like what happens usually is it's uh, the same the same people they continue and they do their own own uh like ventures interesting so 2014 2021 um you know there's public information that you've raised uh i think total of 5.4 million dollars through angel round seed round how has that journey been? Uh, you know, what were the kind of the roller coaster, the highs and lows? Can you talk us through it a bit? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's um, it's very different because we started in in, in London, uh, but then um, soon after we realized uh, we we need to prove this case, um, right? Like, uh, I mean, the, the the service works great in 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 London, and we had like very good unit economics. But then very often the question was, how big can this become? Is this like London specific? And we knew, of course, it's not. But you have to you have to be able to prove it. Also, you have to be able to show that the company can can scale, can grow. Um, so very quickly we expanded, uh, internationally. So like Dubai was our third city internationally, actually. So it's, um, uh, we wanted to show, um, like basically that there is somewhere else where the service could work. And, uh, like when we look to like where to expand, we found, um, kind of Dubai and the region very interesting. As I said, like there are so many, um, consumer startups that are leading the way, uh, I think globally coming from, from, from the region. Um, 
so for us, it was a very interesting uh, place where we can um, we can really test the service, where we can play with the service and kind of shape it to 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 match uh, to match the like the customers. Um, so so it was it was a natural um, uh, like uh, like progression for us as a company. And uh, yeah, I mean, and the funding the funding part it came it came with it. Um, like uh, obviously any company needs uh, needs funds in order to grow and you need more funds if you want to grow faster um, so so this is this is a typical journey I, I mean I there is no typical journey I think and our journey I don't think is very typical for a startup but everyone takes their own path um, depend, depending on so many circumstances yeah interesting but uh, you know in the intro I mentioned that you were uh, recognized as one of the fastest growing in the UK and your connections, obviously, you're in you're in Switzerland, but are you seen as a as a London as a as a UK tech company? Is that where your funding comes from? Is that the ecosystem that you network in? And and how how does one sort of you know from that base and still an early state an early uh, part of the company growth? How how do you then expand and how do you sort of um, leverage that sort of connections and PR and reputation, but also break into new markets yeah i think i think uk um is um a very good place to start a business um especially london like london is a great city very global um it has um um uh, like it has all sorts of like user user groups that you could target at the same time um it's fairly easier i would say to find capital uh, so there is a lot, there are a lot of tax schemes. Um, so first, so our our first uh, round, and it's very typical in the UK that you get um, um, like a round of funding from angels. Uh, so this is like very promoted here. Angels get great benefit. Uh, it's almost a risk-free investment from uh, for angels. Can you so it's how, can you explain how that works? Well, so the way the way it works, so there are two schemes for really young companies uh, and for slightly older companies. But basically, uh, what it means is that if the, if the company goes bust, um, the angel can, in the first case, the angel can uh, get fifty percent uh, back right away, um, and they um, like like from their taxes. Um, so they already get they um, so. Basically, when they invest, they can claim 50% back right away from their taxes, and they can claim up to the like the other 50% up to the full amount from their taxes if the company goes bust. So basically, if the company makes it, they already got 50% tax benefit in any event, um, and obviously the benefit of the company uh, like becoming larger. Uh, but if the company doesn't make it, it's um, it's very low risk. Um, and at the next stage, so there is a second scheme, which is uh, slightly less beneficial, but still is very beneficial. So it's the investor gets 30% uh, back right away from taxes. Mm. And then they can again claim something back. So, so again, so it's like some of these schemes, they're incentivizing angel investors to, to invest in, in, into startups. Um, so I think they're very beneficial. Taking away the risk, <laughs> but so so good for in, uh, investments, good for fundraising. What about for talent? And how did you go about it? So did you use did you use your your uh, motherland of Bulgaria? Did you have a, a tech team in other markets, or how how did you structure that? Is it kind of a freelance sort of virtual uh, company? Yeah, we've been uh, we've been very global from the beginning. Um, so our uh, tech team is in Slovenia. 
Um, we have a large team in India um, at the moment. So like, uh, like one of the co-founders, he's from, he's from India and we started together actually in London. Um, but then um, he's, it's, it's, it's an interesting story, like his visa expired for the, for the UK. Um, so he had to go back and while, while we were applying for a visa, um, we uh, found somebody else to work with him and then uh, slowly but surely we, we built a team around him. Um, and what was supposed to be just a few people kind of helping us in the meantime, um, like as the company started growing, we realized that we need a lot more talent. Uh, and you're absolutely right. Like it was uh, very challenging for us to find uh, people uh, here in London, for example, to uh, work late hours, to work overnight. And we wanted to provide great service. We wanted to do this overnight service. Um, so we, uh, it, this really helped us actually because w one of the founders were, uh, um, was in India and uh, it, it just, uh, it's a great difference. Like uh, when we had a job post here in the UK, we would have a few people applying. Um, we posted a job in, in Bangalore in India and we had like 500 people applying overnight. So it was a no brainer to, to kind of really explore that avenue. Yeah, definitely. And obviously that's kind of helped during the pandemic. So. Um, so, but how do you kind of draw this out? How do you strategize? Like what, you know, obviously there's lots of options, there's lots of countries, there's lots of ways to kind of build things. How did you pull everything together? Um, you know, did you prioritize tech and product? Did you prioritize marketing? Um, and how did you go about sort of getting your MVP live and then sort of, um, you know, getting the first kind of customers using uh, Laundry Heap? Yeah, so I mean, we started small, right? We started from uh, one part of London, and that, that's how many of like many startups, no matter where they are, whether in Dubai, or New York, or in London, um, you start from a small area. We start with one supplier, you start with a few drivers, uh, and you see how it goes. And uh, you you learn a lot in the early days. Uh, we spend a lot of time um, uh, like processing the orders ourselves, like um, speaking with the drivers nonstop, doing some orders ourselves, talking to customers, kind of the typical, um, uh, like, like what any, any founder really does in the very beginning, because we didn't know what the service is. Uh, we didn't know um, what a good service means for our customers. We didn't know why they're using uh, us. Um, we didn't know what the alternative is. So, so it, it was, it was very interesting, um, like from the uh, early days. And I think this is, this is what a lot of entrepreneurs actually enjoy the most, this, um, kind of exploration stage and, uh, kind of coming to MVP. Um, and then you, I mean, like we were lucky enough that, uh, this is, it's a consumer service. So you get the revenue right away. Uh, you can put it back into work. Um, we uh again we had some experience so we knew how to how to market the service already um we were lucky also that um it it became very competitive very quickly um and i think that's a really good thing uh for for a new sort of service because it really educates the market it um like i think that the biggest the biggest challenge for us it's uh, and still is that people don't know that they can do um laundry online right that somebody can come to your door and collect your laundry um, at least, at least uh, in uh, in uh, markets like the UK, the US, this is really not common. Uh, I think in Dubai, it used to be um, like more common, like that you you know you call a number and somebody comes to your door. Um, but in in the Western markets, this was this was this is really not common. So we had to educate the customer that this is even possible. Mm. Um, and like uh, like most people here in in the UK, they have a washing machine. So again, so we we have to 
we have to compete with the washing machine, right? So uh, you have to make it as easy, as easy for the customer to use it. So it was, um, yeah, very, very interesting as any, any, any business really. Okay. Interesting. So, um, the, the industry obviously is there's a washing machine, but there's also laundry service companies as well. Um, other than the tech and the product, was there any other kind of capex that you outlaid on? Did you buy the vans? Did you um, have your own sort of uh, laundry building or, or kitchen or cloud laundry services, if there's a term for it? Or did you partner uh, with existing services in, in terms of um, providing that utility? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, we had to make this decision very early on uh, because you have a few ways of doing it and each of them has different benefits. and. Um, we, we've seen uh, many, many companies doing it differently and uh, many of them have failed or succeeded. So um, I, like we, we went through this exploration stage. Uh, we knew from the beginning that we, um, you know, like we don't understand laundry and dry cleaning well. So we have to work with somebody that really understands it. We understand what customer experience is, what technology is, what a good uh, you know, conversion funnel is. Um, but then we, we don't understand what the clean, uh, well clean shirt is for the customer. So we had to uh, partner with people that have been doing that for many, many years. Um, so this is our model. We outsource the, the, the cleaning part uh, to our professional um, dry cleaning and laundry partners um, around the world. Um, however, we also very early on decided to manage our own drivers. Um, so again, because um, ultimately the driver is the face of the company and we, we realized very early on that uh, we have to control that uh, experience. Um, so we, we manage our drivers everywhere uh, around the world. So this was a decision very early on. We did try different models and um, so actually like when we started in Dubai, we didn't manage our own drivers. Um, we um, kind of decided to, to um, like when we soft launched, we decided to outsource it, but then very early on, we realized this is just not going to work very well for us and it doesn't provide great customer experience. We had to change very quickly. Interesting. Yeah. I was going to ask as well, like what the difference were is between say Dubai and London and the other cities that you're in and, and, and what stage. So Dubai was one of your first three cities. Did that grow faster when you launched and what kind of led you to other cities here in the region? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a strong believer that anything could work anywhere. Uh, you know, this world, the world is so global right now and, uh, you know, people travel and um, if something works in one city, it will very likely work in uh, somewhere else. I think the question is how deep can you go? Uh, because there are people, so like if we want to go after um, kind of, let's say British people coming to Dubai, we can be very niche service like that and we, we can probably serve them very well. Uh, but at the same time, um, if you want to go deeper and kind of provide a meaningful service to a very large group on each market, then you have to really kind of um, look at um, how you handle payments, for example. Um, how do you provide customer support? Kind of, there is a lot of technology. And I think this was also one of the reasons we wanted to challenge ourselves to go to a market that's very different, right? It's a, a different time zone, different currency, um, yeah. different payment options. Um, so it, it's just, it, it creates, creates this, um, internal kind of challenge for the team. Right. And, and it, 
in, in, in my mind, like um, I was thinking if we can surf another time zone, then we can surf another, you know, 23 time zones um, to, 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 to London. So, so this was uh, almost like a challenge. Uh, it's um, almost like a challenge uh, for the team. And, and Dubai is a great city um, for, to do something like that because um, people are, um, you, you know, the, 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 they're using a lot of technology. Uh, there are so many apps. Um, so, so I think, I think it works, uh, it works in English, uh, which was a, a big advantage for us in the beginning. Um, so I think these are all things that uh, helped us, um, come there faster. Yeah, definitely. And there are, as you said, there's already, it's competitive. There's already other players. So the market is a little bit educated and there's similar services that operate in this way. Uh, how, how much did you localize this? I noticed that there's, you have laundry heat. Dot AE domain. Did you have to? Do you have a free zone license here? Did you do a different payment gateway? How, how much of the things that you needed to do to make it uh, work in this market? Right. So um, I mean, in every every market, we start um, without localizing too much, right? So a soft launch. We try to understand the market. We try to understand some of the unit economics. Um, but then um, we very quickly we start thinking kind of what needs to be done to to go to go deeper. Um, so as you said, yes, uh, we, we had to set up a company. Uh, we had to um, uh, do a lot of changes in our technology to be able to serve um, the customers in the best possible way. Um, that, like, it's, it's always a progress and priority for the product uh, pipeline, but uh, like, um, like, it's very important to be able to serve the customer well. So we always prioritize um, kind of the parts of the product that would uh, help the customer experience before anything else. Um, so it might be really painful on our ends to um, handle an order, but as long as the, it's very easy for the customer, that's, 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 that's the right choice. So, um, and, 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 and then obviously like you, you, keep, you keep improving, um, like any, any, anyone in uh, especially services or like even e-commerce uh, can tell you like there is, it's, it's like the tip of the iceberg, right? What, what customers see is maybe less than 10% of all the technology you have to build in order to serve all these orders. Um, so it's still, it's still, uh, it's work in progress. Uh, we're spending like most of our money going to IT and uh, development. Um, just, just because there's so much if you want to provide great experience. Interesting. And were there any additional features that you felt worked for sort of a, a Dubai or a Middle East audience based on the uh, data that you received back from customers? Um, yeah, there, there, there were some, um, I mean, we were kind of pleasantly surprised actually, because a lot of people talk about like traffic in Dubai, but then when we compare, um, we, we actually found it much easier to move around than, uh, places like London. Um, at the same, at the same time, we realized that people are more flexible with the deliveries. Um, so like in, in, in London, you, um, even a couple of years back, you, you already had this, um, kind of you can get anything delivered from Amazon within two hours. Um, you like now you have all these services that you can get your groceries and they're competing on, on kind of like insane metrics. Um, so one, one app says uh, you're going to get it in 20 minutes. The other one says 15, the other one says in 10. Um, the other day I got this message. It says basically they, they say if you don't get it within 10 minutes, um, you get it free. So, so it's it just insane. Like, um, you know, anyone has, that has done logistics knows how insane it is to do anything in uh, less than 10 minutes. Um, so the customer expectations are very different. We found uh, Dubai to be, Dubai customers to be slightly more flexible with us with our delivery times and 
Um, but so we, we, we obviously we use that in our advantage. Um, at the same time, uh, because we, we were not so much fixed to the time slots, we could um, provide the service, we could basically improve the service in a different way. So we could provide a faster service than any, anybody else in the market. Um, so so we, we basically we had to use it in our advantage and improve from the service. Interesting. So uh, as continuing to talk about Laundry Heap, uh, Dayan, what, what's your experience and how do you explain to people outside of the sort of startup and the, you know, the VC or angel sort of space, the unit economics on these type of companies? Um, because the example you just gave might mean loss making and, and burn rate for a long time in terms of, you know, think something is free and obviously the tech costs and the drivers and you're not even cleaning the shirt. So um, how, how do you explain it to people who understand traditional business of a price of a good, cost of goods sold and profit margin? Uh, what's your understanding? Well, I'm, um, I'm kind of a bit in the middle, right? So you probably have, uh, as you said, so you have very traditional kind of approach where you have to make money from the first order. And then you have this like, kind of VC driven approach where um, you can afford to not be making money for a very long time, as long as you're tapping on a very large market where you can make a lot of money in the long term, right? Um, and then my view is a bit, a bit in the middle. I think like you should um, aim to have a sustainable business model very early on. Uh, would that be from the first order? No, right? Like you, uh, obviously there is some economies of scale that you, you, you need to achieve to get there. Um, but I think um, as, a, as a business model, like you should not push yourself to such a, to such a limit that you have to uh, be burning money on each order for a very long time, just because that's not a sustainable business model. Um, yet there, there are some areas where um, you are changing the customer behavior. So probably consumers need a bit of uh, kind of help to get there. Um, so so it's, it, I think it's, it's, very, it's a very interesting question and it changed on, um, uh, like depending, depending on the industry. But the choice we made for ourselves was that we, um, we are going to run this as a good business. Um, like we can make money uh, very early on. Um, and that, that will help us to be more independent, uh, make our own decisions, uh, be more customer-centric than investor-centric. Um, so so there, there, there are a lot of advantages uh, to, to, to do it your own way, but that really depends on the unit economics, competitiveness of the market, and, 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 and so on. Interesting. And, but the second, the second way that you described usually, as you said, uh, needs kind of mass volume and, and scale and usually might mean that you need to be number one. So um, you need to be ahead of the competitors and you need to be the top. But do you think that in this sort of example of hybrid where you, you try and look after the costs and you try and grow revenues at the same time, do you think then from a consumer point of view that there is room for more than one player or a winner takes all and that we can, um, you know, depending uh, that we can have other sort of service utility apps on our phone, especially in laundry. Well, yeah, I mean, um, I guess the question is, would you have to, um, like basically would the customer suffer uh, because you didn't uh, invest enough in this transaction and because you're very early on. Um, so I think, I think this is, this is what, what kind of really de de defines this. If the customer is not going to, the customer experience is not going to change so much, 
um, then you don't have to maybe you know like invest so much in each order. Uh, but of course, like there is, it's it's always it's always a decision, especially for founder. Um, you know how much how much money you take and how fast you develop your technology and and so on. How many cities do you go into? Um, so I, I, again, I think it really kind of depends on uh, you know like <laughs> the favorite uh, answer. It depends uh, on the on the on the industry, on w what you're doing, on the competitiveness, on uh, how much access to uh, capital you have. Um, uh, even external forces such as COVID, and you know you have to change plans quite uh, quite a bit. Other than the obvious, so tech costs uh, and say working with your your drivers and your partners, what's what would be costs of your business that people wouldn't necessarily know that have a significant kind of dent in your your revenues? Would it be the app store fees, or would it be um, other fees? Well, there is a lot of um, um, a lot of um, uh, cost for using different services. Um, uh, definitely, so I think uh, again, it's like uh, a blessing and a curse. There's there's so many services right now, like SaaS and um, yeah. anything. So anything you want to build, you can build it very easily, very quickly. Um, the problem with that is, um, and typically the, the fees are quite flexible to start with. Uh, but then the moment you grow and you get to a scale, you become uh, dependent on many uh, different services and this become very expensive. So I think um, as a young company, you kind of, you tend to ignore these costs and by the time you start noticing, then it's already very late. Um, so even things like, you know, using Gmail and using Slack and kind of, and Zoom and all these like basic, very basic services, but when you have like 50 of these services, uh, probably in a company like Wonderheap, and each of these services cost you like a few thousand pounds uh, a month, uh, you know, it becomes a very big cost the right way. That's such an interesting point. Yeah, and they, they do such a good job. And many of them now have good revenues. They've all listed on the stock market and they, they've kind of got good models of cost per user. It's, it's a really interesting space, the, the SaaS space. But as you said, um, it adds up especially as you're growing people and, and customers do you you know do, do you or your partner or your team do you look to have a sort of a hybrid approach to that as well do you use open source technology do you kind of try and um, build as much as your own proprietary tech stack as possible well so we um we try not to build something that we can get from the outside um so that that will be uh, like maybe kind of the first um question that we'd ask ourselves can we uh, is it is it better is it faster if we just just buy it uh, like right away at the same time um uh like then the second question maybe would be like how how core this is to our uh, to our uh, our our um our business Right, so I mean, obviously, we would use Gmail. We would not build our own mail, like like mail client. Um, yeah. But then, at the, at the same time, um, things that are related to the customer experience and how people are um, thinking about laundry, how people are ordering laundry, how um, how our partners, uh, how our drivers uh, like um, use the service. Um, then we have to build it ourselves just because there is, there, there is nothing out there that kind of really works for us. Um, so, so it's, it's a bit of both. Um, for example, we, we use a lot of traffic data from, from Google and we pay a lot of money for that, but of course we don't have our own traffic, traffic data. So it, it just makes a lot of sense. Um, but then like 
um, deciding on which driver does which order and what's the most efficient way we try to use uh, our own systems uh, again helped by external algorithms uh, even things like weather um, that we we source from somewhere else but then we try to plug it into our own system yeah interesting yeah it's kind of a, it's a good approach um, so the business the offering the name is obviously laundry heap uh, would you consider other services like cleaning services and and things like that we're seeing you know, especially in Dubai, we see so many companies offer super apps and so many different things. Would that be a part of your expansion plans? Well, you know, this is um, like, it's very tempting, right? Because every founder is greedy um, and you want to, you know, in, in like kind of like maybe the good, good greediness that you want, you want, you want to grow your business. You want to, you want to have it bigger just for the sake of being bigger. Um, but at, I think, uh, and this is like a very, um, like kind of, it's something that seems easy, right? We already have these millions of users. Um, so let's just offer them something else and they would buy it. Um, hopefully. And then it, it, like there is, you know, like the, uh, the, like the user acquisition cost is one of the largest costs for any, any, any startup. So it kind of seems obvious that you, you, you can just do more with your existing user base. Um, the problem with that is that you, all of the services are so different. Um, so the question is, can you provide a great service as a company? And I, I don't think the answer is, um, yes, in all cases, uh, maybe there's some services that makes sense to be provided together and the user experience could, um, be enhanced. But I think for many of the services, they're just so different. Um, and also like, are they provided by. For, for example, in, in, in our case, right, like we use uh, third party cleaning facilities and that's very different than a cleaner coming to your home. Right. Uh, and it might seem for the user that um, let's say dry cleaning and home cleaning, it's very similar as a service uh, operationally, it works very different, so, uh, differently. So you, you're building a completely different company. Um, so our, um, our belief is that we should do what we do best. Uh, we don't believe that we should have our own dry cleaning facilities, for example, because we, uh, like there are other people that just do it so much better. Uh, we can, uh, we should focus on what we do. So like we've kind of defined ourselves to, to, um, to being the platform. Um, but I, I do understand why, why, um, like some other startups that have kept, uh, geographically to one location decided to diversify a number of services. Um, like one thing that you see, uh, even in Dubai, as you said, of course, there's them, uh, I found it also quite interesting. I was in Dubai in uh, February and there's so many super apps, um, now. And the thing is, these apps don't exist here in, in, in the UK so much, like you have an app for everything, but you don't have this generic apps. Um, but even, I think even in Dubai, what's happening now is that, um, these apps don't always provide the service, all the services themselves, the, themselves, they're just so you could place where you can find all the services, you can find access to them, but you don't necessarily get the same service from, um, kind of from the, from the original app, uh, app providers. So it's more like a regeneration rather than kind of let's do these 20 services now and we can do them well. Yeah. There's a benefit of focusing on, on, on one thing. Well, um, so from a consumer point of view, I get it. I download laundry heap. I need to do my laundry. Um, I use it. They come, they, quick service, everything's clean. From a, um, a vendor or a merchant point of view, uh, is, is, that, is there any encouragement or incentive for them to embrace it? Could they use your technology to manage the rest of their bookings, 
Um, is that something that you're trying to kind of work on as well? Yeah, so um, it, it, it's um, like one thing we've seen from the very beginning is that um, there are these professional dry cleaning faces that have been around for many years, right? All of our partners, um, many of them are family owned businesses. They've existed for 30 or more years, right? So they're very good at what they're doing. Uh, they haven't embraced uh, kind of technology so much. Um, so they uh, have kind of all these old fashioned systems for managing inside, inside the, the processing. Um, but they, at the same time, they understand it very well. So they have a lot of these like soft skills uh, into um, doing laundry and dry cleaning really well. Um, so, so I think that the way we work uh, is um, best really for them and for us. Like some of them they've tried in the past to um, uh, to have a website, to have a mobile app, like it's so, it's so cheap now, right? You can buy it for a few hundred dollars. You can have a mobile application, but then it doesn't mean anything. Um, like, like we have, like we, we're a team of almost a hundred people. Uh, so if you, anyone could just buy an app for $200 and then start doing the same thing, what we're doing, then like, what is everyone in one keep doing? Um, so, so I think there's a lot of value that's, uh, missed there. Um, so and and from our perspective again we, we don't do the cleaning uh we don't understand how to do the cleaning um so we 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 work with people that understand it so i think it's a win-win for for both parties and it's something that we've seen now with um with COVID, kind of historically when we would go to our partners uh some of them would understand it but many of them would not understand it they would not see especially in the western markets um the west in dubai i guess is they would not see why would people buy it online right like uh, they used to historically have shops where people come in uh, and bring their dry cleaning so they would not understand uh, that there is this big opportunity um, and now with COVID, uh, they had to to realize it very quickly uh, you know the government closed their shops there was no nowhere else to get business from and people shifted significantly to uh, doing things online mm. um, so i think it, it was a it, like like COVID kind of brought the future uh, a lot faster. Maybe this would have happened like in five years, but now it happened over like five months. That's interesting. Do you think that that observation that you've made there is the same everywhere? Because, you know, some of the things that we've seen in different categories is that people are doing more at home in the past year, especially those who continue to work from home. Um, and I was thinking maybe people might do their laundry at home, but because in Dubai, the laundry service companies wouldn't be closed whereas in the uk the the local dry cleaning shop is shut so it needs that sort of service but was that different did you see more people using it in the uk because the store was shut and did you see less people using it here maybe because they were at home and they did their own uh, dry cleaning yeah I, th I think there's a bit of both uh, i think like facebook dubai was already um more advanced in that respect that people used to um order their service like their laundry at home anyway yeah. um uh, kind of like historically in the uk you would bring your shirts to the dry cleaner um but very rarely the, your dry cleaner would come to home and almost never your dry cleaner would do laundry so that's something that we invented the whole like, category of um the service wash uh, practically um so very very few people in the uk don't have a washing machine so like um dry cleaners were almost never doing service wash uh, and service wash is what we do uh, the most in, in our company so so i think there is um a, a bit of both um on, on on one hand 
um, as, as I said, like, uh, like Dubai was already like uh, more advanced, so the shops didn't have to close for people to start ordering at home. Um, so things, uh, things um, kind of, I guess, improved still, but not with such a such a such a rate that uh, people in the UK had to adapt um, because there was literally no other way to to do it. And then we discovered a lot of um, interesting user groups for us um, during the pandemic. We saw um, a lot of like kind of younger people ordering for their elderly parents, um, uh, like our service, um, which which was which was very interesting. It was not a, a target group and kind of demographic that we had seen before, um, but kind of like at times of crisis, you have all of these groups that actually you realize they really need our service. Um, like there was this question um, early on in, in uh, I guess early April last year in here in the UK, like like what are the key services that should stay on and we um and we started getting this kind of emails from people uh, with disabilities like elderly people um like writing to us and asking us if our service will continue and it was it was really an eye-opener because we didn't realize how many people actually depend on this service so it's not just the convenience but it's actually the need for the service uh, which is which is really great to see that you um, you know like what you're doing is actually like um, like helping a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's interesting that what you might get for a loved one in in a time of celebration or a time of need, we'd always turn to the internet or we'd always turn to our phones and see, especially if we live in different countries, see can we deliver to that place? And um, it, it's funny that behavior although maybe not in your category yet, the kind of human behavior and the digitization of that behavior is happening. So, um, so obviously it makes sense for it to happen in, in laundry as well. Um, so interesting. So, um, you know, just as we finish up, I, I want to talk a little bit more about this region. How do you see the Middle East um, outside of sort of the laundry business and the markets that you're in, in terms of an emerging market? Um, you know, obviously you want to be global, but um, and your partner is in India, but do you see a more of an opportunity here for scale uh, versus other emerging markets? Well, I think, um, I don't know if it's more, but I uh, definitely see it's a great opportunity to scale. Um, it, this is definitely a very well developed uh, market, even uh, kind of uh, in terms of service, in terms of technology, in terms of understanding um, what what you can get online, like uh, consumer services have uh, have been, like thriving, I think in in uh, in in place in Dubai, but also like in the whole of the like the Middle East, and we're actually in a couple of countries um, there, and we see the same the same behavior. So I think it's definitely um, you know like it's definitely like a, a global place. Um, like um, so, our our service, uh, you know, we realize our service works really well, and uh, we, we like we are investing more in the region uh, and being able again to stay close to our customers, adapt our service even further, um, and be be able to grow. Um, it, it, it was very interesting actually because it, I, I guess we're going back to COVID, but in the last twelve months, when many of our other cities were completely. Um, uh, kind of closed and people were staying at home and it was much harder to grow like uh, we saw a lot of growth in Dubai and in Singapore um, so two like two cities in Asia um, that I think did, did really well uh, managing COVID and as a result like um, businesses like ours which is very global managed to 
to uh, kind of to focus on markets that are growing faster. And we've seen some months we saw 100% growth month on month, which is which is quite significant. Um, so for for us, it's definitely a very important market, and we'll keep keep investing. Interesting. The cities that kind of opened up quicker. Uh, what about your investors? Are any of them from this region? And uh, what would it take for you to move your headquarters to one of the big cities in, in the Middle East? Well, we, um, so we don't have any invest, uh, investors from the region um, um, that I'm aware at least uh, uh, because we, we, did, we did some crowdfunding in the past. So we, we might have some investors from the regions as well. <laughs> Um, but uh, some of our kind of recent REIT investors, they, they, they come from, from the UK and um, like for them, it was, uh, I, I believe, quite, quite important that we were a UK based company. Yeah. Um, at the same time, we uh, like um, earlier this year, we set up a team in Dubai as well. So like we again, as we see the region uh, quite, quite important for us and we're, we're building like a stronger uh, and stronger team over there. Um, to help us with operations, sales, um, um, kind of with everything that's needed on the ground. Um, I, I mean, like we are like the, the HQ doesn't doesn't really make a lot of uh, difference nowadays. Like uh, we're still working from home completely. Like we have an office in London that's staying completely empty right now. Um, so I think kind of in this like post-COVID world, like the HQ doesn't, doesn't make, um, kind of the office doesn't make such a big difference and a company like ours, it's already in 25 cities around the world, um, kind of HQ doesn't, doesn't make a big difference. So I think we would hire people um, wherever that makes sense, um, where they're good resources, we would go after markets that are developing faster than others. And so that, that's, that's going to kind of lead, lead what, what, like what we do next. Interesting. But so, but do you think can plans change or is there a trajectory from a startup from the UK to raise all their rounds from that sort of ecosystem and then to have a potential exit in whatever way that that would manifest itself within that sort of UK startup or can it move around? Could you potentially raise your different rounds in different regions? You're obviously in America, you're in uh, Asia uh, and then you know, do you have a roadmap for that or do you kind of go focus on the audience growth, focus on the customers and then see where the sort of where the global business globalization takes us in terms of financing and exits and things like that? Well, I think we, we like to keep our options open. So that, that's why also the, the way we've set like the company, uh, the company structure, we have different entities in different countries. So we try to, to keep finances um, um, slightly like uh, basically as separate as we can. Um, like also with this in mind that uh, we, we, we don't know where this is going to lead us and some markets are probably going to go faster than the others. And um, like I'm confident there is going to be a lot of like, uh, consolidation on, on the markets as well. So that's, that, so that's something that we are exploring. We don't know the answers. There is nothing kind of we can announce right now, but there is, um, we definitely, we've set up ourselves in a, um, path that we can explore these opportunities when they uh, are, are, arise um, and uh, yeah I mean you arise like we uh, like, uh, like we're growing we we were not in the US pre-COVID now we're in uh, nine cities uh, in, in the US and we're expanding further by uh, early next year we're going to be in three new countries we're going to be in 10 more cities so it's um, it's definitely a lot going on um, and again we, we we don't know how things will change um, 
Um, so we, we, we kind of like, we have plans, but ultimately like we've seen what happens in the last year that, um, you know, it's good to have a plan, but then it's good to be able to, 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 to adapt as well. Brilliant. I think that perfectly sums up the business landscape at the moment. Thanks so much, Zayan, for your, your time this morning. It's been a pleasure and the early start in London. We look forward to following Laundry Heap, especially in Dubai and across the region. And keep, I will keep in touch with your progress. Thank you very much for the call, Richard. Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy.